Didn't you like that song? Whew. Man, I tell you what, those ladies can sing. And it sure begins our time of worship and celebration in a wonderful way. So thank you so much for being here at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We thank you for taking the time out of your schedules to come and worship God. Because today, we're going to continue to do just that. As we focus upon songs and testimonies, different kinds of elements, specifically on His Word, as we want to hear from him we want to seek his presence and we want him us in these days where he has planted us we anticipate and look forward to hearing more about that today but also engaging in this kind of ministry and activity as god leads each one of us if this is the very first time for you to be here we would sure like for you to take the guest card that's in the pew in front of you and fill it out and drop it in the uh, offering boxes when you leave today we'd certainly appreciate that join me in prayer and then we're going to continue our time of singing lord thank you for the opportunity and the time today to get together today our ladies ensemble has presented us with excitement with words that have meaning from the depth of our heart and God, I pray that as we come together to worship, as we engage in this time, this place of refuge or sanctuary where we can come and the cares of the world can move to the side for just this time so, God, we can have this time with you to let you know as the body of Christ together that we love you. And so we as the body of Christ can experience you and we can hear from your word. And Father, as the body of Christ, with Christ as our head, that we would be about his business and on mission. Father, we are not lone ranger Christians out there doing our own thing, but Father, we are part of a great mighty believer army that strives to be obedient to you and lord in the world in which we live you know so much more than we do but father as believers we need to have compassionate care in this world we need to be able to put our arms around people to encourage them to help them with their needs especially humanitarian needs in our day-to-day. -day. There's so much heartache and so much loneliness. There are so many people that are wounded that, God, we need to be the ones, again, as the presence of Christ, to come and to walk beside and to encourage and to become friends, to listen, to become engaged, all the while being the light and proclaiming the gospel. So, Father, as we gather today as the body of Christ, we, we are not here just out of routine. We are here because, because you have commanded us. You've encouraged us. We're motivated by your unconditional love. And, God, through the power of your Spirit, I pray that each one of us would be excited and ready to worship you, the creator of all, and ready to be about your business and on your mission. And I pray that today, God, your Spirit would lead us in that way. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the 100th Psalm, we read these words, Serve the Lord with gladness. 
come before him with joyful songs. If you are able, I invite you to stand as we sing together, Serve the Lord with Gladness. seated you may as we continue singing of your time and talents given. Of your time and talents given, may our gifts from God above to use by Christians freely to proclaim his wondrous love.
My name is Amr. I'm from Jordan. I moved um, with my family to the uh, U.S. Me and my wife, uh, Victoria, was praying for the, um, the state and the cities that don't have Arabic church after a long time praying God, say, Cincinnati. We have a significant group of Arab-speaking people, so we've been praying for quite some time. God, would you give us someone that we can just kind of turn loose in that people group, right? And uh, Honor literally just called me out of the blue. There is not a lot of people know the culture, know their language, and can share the gospel with them. We came to reach our community, the whole Arab people, and now we have people from at least nine countries from the Arab world. God has brought honor here. We're going to support him, we're going to encourage him, we're going to walk with him, and we're going to see God get glory among their people in Cincinnati. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Our holy God, our heavenly, loving Father, Lord, we come to you today in thankfulness, Father, for who you are, for all that you give to us, God, for the privilege that we have of being your children. Father, we love you so much. And God, this morning I pray for each of us, each one here in this room and those watching on live stream, Father, that you will still our hearts, that you will calm our spirits. God, that we will look into your face. Father, that our focus will be entirely and completely upon you. God, we thank you again for your love for us for sending your son. Father, we pray today. There are so many things, as our pastor said, that are happening in our world. There is heartache, Father. There is fear. There is uncertainty. And we especially pray today for those in Ukraine. God, I pray especially lift up those who are Christians there, Father, those who are saying this is not a war against a person or a country. This is light against darkness and that we believe that light is going to win. And so, Father, I pray that you will be with them. Give them strength and courage. Give them, Father, who are Christians, the courage, God, to, to stand up and to tell others all about you. And that, Father, no matter what happens in this life, if we belong to you, we have the promise of eternal life. So, Father, I pray that you would watch over them. And for all the people in the country, God, that many might come as a result of this to know you as their personal savior. Father, I pray for our country. God, we need revival, Lord. There are many that love you, Father, but we can have a tendency, I think, in our country because we have so much to be complacent and to be satisfied, Father, and that is not what your desire is for us. Father, when we were saved, we were commanded, God, that we would go and tell others about you and that we would have a zeal for doing that. And as we grow older, Father, I think sometimes our zeal can wane. And so I pray for each of us, Father, that you would place a new zeal within our hearts and in our spirits, God, that we might 
learn what our spiritual gifts are from God, that we won't sit back, but that, Father, we will use them. There is still very, very much that we can do. And, Lord, we want to be used of you. We want revival in our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for every person who is a spiritual person in our government, God, that you would give them strength and courage to stand up. Lord, we thank you now for this service. I pray for those in our congregation who have needs, Father. You know what they are. The physical needs, the spiritual needs. We lift them up to you. I pray for our pastor as he brings our message this morning. God, I pray that it will be one that will inspire us. One, God, that will challenge us. That, Father, we might want to be the light that you would have us to be. That people who see us and hear us and watch us know that there is something different about us. That we have the smile of Jesus upon our face. God, that we want to live for you. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.
Thank you, Handbelt. The love of God is broader than Earth's vast expanse, and we are commanded to share his love. Let's sing together. church family. Our scripture readings for today are two passages. The first is from Romans 12 verses 3 through 8 and the second is from 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11. Please follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Romans 12 3 through 8. For by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather Think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that the things God may have be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. These are the words of the Lord.
Thank you, Women of Grace. Such a beautiful sound. Giftedness. The message. Clearly communicating to serve the Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning as we move into this part of our worship. Our focus, Lord, upon hearing from you, from your word. Striving to hear from you concerning what you want us to understand and specifically applying it to our lives, individually and both of the church body. And I pray, God, that we will be willing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at our passage of scripture today, very familiar, uh, part of those scriptures were used last week as we continue to try to focus our attention upon uh, the ministries that God has given us. We came to an understanding two weeks ago that we are the people of God. We are called to do what God has desired and his plan to fulfill it for his eternal kingdom. It was the nation of Israel that were to be the kingdom of priests. That enlarged to now include Gentiles and Jewish people that have embraced Christ to be the kingdom of priests that he desires us to be. And in order to accomplish that, he has gifted us. We talked about that last week, how we all have been gifted to do things that are outside of our normal abilities. But when we came to know Christ, he gave us those spiritual, that gift or those gifts. They're different than our talents and our skills, although God can use those in powerful ways as well, including our experience. The question that many times we have is, if I know that I am called by God for ministry, for the mystery of reconciliation, and I have been gifted and last week we handed out the, um, uh, the spiritual gift inventories for you to work through. If you have discovered where those gifts are, or if you already knew where your spiritual gift or gifts were uh, as far as ministry, then, then you are probably doing well and very engaged. But for some, if I'm just discovering this, how, how now can I use that giftedness to do what God wants me to do? There's probably nothing more frustrating in the world than to have the knowledge and to have the passion to do what God wants and don't know how to get it out, don't know how to do it. When we understand the magnitude of the gift that God has given us, we also understand that it is a great privilege. It is a joy and it is a privilege to have the gifts that only God can give through his spirit. It also brings about that great responsibility and accountability because when we become aware of it now, we are accountable to accomplish it. And we always remember that they were not, these gifts are not for our own edification, our own benefit, but they're for the common good. They are to serve others. Because we are on mission, his mission, not ours. 
In the Old Testament, the Jewish people looked forward to the day of the Lord. It came out of Amos chapter 5 and verse 18. They saw this day of the Lord as a time of rejoicing, a time of vindication, a time of blessing. However, Amos, the prophet, wanted to be very clear. He said, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned with his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. When God has a plan, and the day of the Lord, for those who don't know him, is going to be a dark and dreadful day. Why would we cheer that on if we haven't fulfilled all that God has wanted us to do to help people prepare for that day of the Lord? That's why our ministry should not be taken lightly. That's why being the people of God and the giftedness that he's given us should not be something to say, oh yes, I just acknowledge that. Because he has done this for a particular purpose, and that is for us to do everything we can to show compassion and his compassion, as well as his grace and his unconditional love to people that don't know him. Because one day, the day of the Lord will come. And as Amos said, it's going to be a day of darkness for many. But you see, we have the light. And God has called us to be the servants, to accomplish what his desire is. And his desire is for all people to come to him. Just like each one of us have had that opportunity. So our ministry should not be taken lightly. We should understand that God's call is a, for his people is for his purposes. He is the one who's gifted us. And it is imperative that we understand how we can use the gifts he's given us to do what he wants. So let's talk about that a little bit. There are two areas that I want to try to touch on in the, the time that we have this morning. One is the general ministry that God's called us to, and I touched on it last week. And the other is the focused ministry. And I think I touched on that last week as well. But I want to go a little more in depth and a little more practical in how we express the giftedness that God has given us, both in the body of Christ and also in the world. First, we want to look at the general ministry, and those are commands that God has given to all of us. And I selected three areas that I wanted to focus on this morning in the general ministry. These are things that God said, listen, every one of you ought to be engaged in this kind of ministry. It's not your specific ministry, but it's what all believers should follow through. So I first want to talk about family life. Family life is such a vital area to each and every one of us, and we have got to be diligent in this area to both keep a balance in our family relationships and our ministry before Almighty God. <laughs> one of the things I learned years and years and years ago in ministry is that um, you can be too involved in, in the organizational aspect of a church. I was working so many hours in church in my early ministry and in the ministries that um, I wasn't paying as much attention to my family. 
1993, I made a radical change in how I decided I was going to keep that balance. And since that time, I think God has blessed in a lot of ways. There's got to be that kind of balance. The institutions of marriage and the institutions of the church are the two institutions that God himself established. And I want to talk about the married relationship. A marriage relationship is so intimate that we come to understand that each spouse must minister to the other spouse. That's what marriage, one of the aspects that is so important. I believe, in fact, it is the key. It's my belief that the most important ministry that you will ever have in your entire life is the ministry that you will have with your spouse, to your spouse. We get to a place where our spouse is not doing well physically or maybe health-wise or in some other way. This is the time that we need to pour all of our focus and help them step by step. It's the very basic of things that God chooses for us to do. A help meet, the scripture says. So I believe that it is vital and important for each one of us in our marriage relationships to be a caregiver. A caregiver isn't just someone who, when one spouse is deeply in need, they come to become a caregiver. In my belief, we are caregivers to each other all of the time. And that term shouldn't bother us in any way. We ought to take it as a badge of honor. I appreciate so much Dr. Horniker because he, uh, as our pastoral counselor, not only will give personal one-on-one -on -one encouragement and counsel to those who have uh, a spouse who has much need and they try to help them, but also a support group of caregivers that meet uh, once or twice a year for a, about a six-week time frame. And it just helps them to encourage them to know that we are caregivers of each other and what our responsibilities and roles can be. God wanted that within the marriage relationship. I think it's very important for you to pay attention and to be their strongest advocate in all things. Their needs are going to come before your needs. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 33, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a union that God established to be a caregiver to each other. I am not sure how all things would have gone if my wife had not been such a strong advocate and paid attention to so much in the days that I was both on dialysis and through the kidney transplant. She was the one that was talking to the doctors and nurses and dealing with the medication and if there were issues she would be like a bulldog and just deal with that stuff. You know what? That's who you want in your, in your corner. And that's what God desires. That kind of respect. And so when we look at family life and the general ministry, God wants us to be engaged in each other's life. Not to go separately in our own lives, but to make sure that we're caring for one another.
I tell you what, losing a spouse is one of, if not the most difficult life event a person will ever go through in their life. This is a time where they need people to come in to encourage and to help them and to be there and to listen. Again, I appreciate Dr. Horniker because of the grief ministry, both in, in his one-on-one counseling, but also the grief classes that we have, trying to help our membership and those in the community deal with the loss, probably the most important event in their life. It's something that as a church we must engage in and be involved in, and many of you know that have lost your spouses, that that ministry is healing, encouraging, it takes you through some of the darkest times of your life. But the encouragement, the help must be there. For those who do not have a spouse, for whatever reason, loneliness and isolation are some of the most difficult and darkest times in a person's life. You just wonder, am I the only one out here is there anyone that's willing to come beside me? I promise you that the last two years have caused many side effects because of the isolation that so many, especially those who are single, living by themselves, have had to go through. The, the side effects of the emotional and mental effects, the discouragement, for some the depression. It's been a difficult time. And you see, as a ministry of the body of Christ, we are the ones who are called alongside to try to come and help and to encourage as best we can. The scripture states throughout the need and the needs that can be met by the body of Christ. First and foremost, we find in Psalm 68 verse 5 and so many other references that the family of one is loved and cared for by the Father. He takes care of you. He's going to be there for you. Secondly, we find that in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 and verse 16, that it is the duty and obligation of families to care for their aging family members. We're supposed to be there for them. Now we know, through practical application, and maybe even in our own lives, somewhere in our family histories that that does not always take place even though the scripture says that that for whatever reasons maybe distance maybe economically uh, maybe other rationale that the family members aren't there and so as the family of God we're supposed to be there you go on back to James chapter 1 verse 27 to 1st Timothy chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 you find that the family of one should be loved and cared for by the church the body of Christ within the guidelines that these scriptures give we are to be the ones to come alongside and to help and to encourage and to strengthen the scripture is very clear and by the same token the family of one can and should reach out to be an encouragement to other families of one because they know what they have gone through to try to help them and to encourage them. Galatians 6.2, Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Wasn't specifically talking to a family of one, ministering to a family of one, but coming alongside. 
Because when you have been through something as a married couple or as a, as a, a widow or widower or as a single person, and you've been through it and God has blessed you through that, you are the best resource to go in and to help and to encourage. And so we turn that around into ministry. I may be a family of one, and God has helped me through that process, whatever it was, the church family's come beside me, but guess what? I, myself, am going to be a family of one that's going to encourage other families of one through everything I've been. And I want to be there for them. Because they know. I, I reflect on our church family. We are a unique family. We have people that have gathered from everywhere to come here. And we have married couples and we have uh, singles. We have widowers and, and uh, widows. We have people who have lost spouses, remarried. Lost spouses again, remarried. We, we are a most interesting group of people. And what a rich experience for us to draw in to say God wants us to come beside you and to come beside me. I think of our SOS, our sisters, single sisters only. They, uh, this idea came uh, to one of our members, I think it was Nelda, and uh, said, you know what, we, we, need to get, we need to get the ladies who are single, whether they've always been single, whether they're a widow, uh, divorced, whatever, we need to get them together and minister to them. And that's what happens. Once a month, they get together, and I pop in there because they just have a lot of fun. They also sometimes have some good food. <laughs> they do all kinds of things. And when you go in and you, you watch the, the dialogue, some folks from the community come, and, and uh, some of our ladies are there, and it is a special time. That's the church ministering. So our marriage relationships critical to care for one another and the church to provide that wonderful refuge and sanctuary for married couples for our widows and widowers and our our singles a ministry that cares for and encourages and we do it ourselves we we engage as the body of christ not the building but each one of us are part of this body and then how about children relationships you say well preacher you you, you forget who you're talking to uh, my kids grew up a long time ago. Well, listen to Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Absolutely. The Scripture's talking about when your kids are small, you're to invest the Word of God into them. But I took sage advice years ago. The sage advice that one person gave me was, listen, because I was kind of looking forward to the day when my kids would turn 18, okay? You probably didn't have that feeling. But they said, listen, when your child turns 18, they may be legal, but you are still their parent for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Grown children and grandchildren, the parameters are going to change. But I will tell you that we have got to always strive to encourage, to inspire, to share wisdom and advice, to be there without interfering in their decision-making. They've got to have their own lives. 
But we need to be there as parents and grandparents. I don't care what age they are. Without preaching to them, we need to be a sounding board. We need to share sound biblical wisdom on how to live life successfully in God's eyes. Because we bring a great wealth of wisdom and experience and a lot of hard knocks along the way. And they may not always listen. And I understand that. But you know what? I think inside they do listen. They may make choices that we might not go with, but they still listen. And somewhere down the line, they make this turn back so many times to say yes. You know, I remember this or I remember that. To this day, my dad died when I was 25, but to this day, I'll go back and say, oh, <laughs> I remember now what my dad said. You know what? He was right. <laughs> All these years later, we have to make an impression. And listen, when they fall, be there. Not to condemn them, not to judge them, but to help. Help heal the wounds, and all the while being the presence of Christ in their lives. Just like our Heavenly Father does for us every single day. That's who we're to be, the presence of Christ. Even in our children and our grandchildren's life, even if they're 40, 50, 60 years old or older. These are the things in family life, in the ministry that God has given us, these are the things that we've got to invest in. Now, the second area that we focus on on general ministry is in daily life. Most of us spend uh, most of our day um, either hanging around the house or maybe in our neighborhoods, in the marketplace, shopping or working for some of us. Maybe golfing, maybe you spend it at the rec centers, or maybe one of the hundred different clubs that are in Sun City West or whatever area you might be living in. That's kind of how we spend our, our days. Well, in these areas of daily life, choices and decisions are made that express either positively or negatively our commitment to Jesus Christ. <coughs> you may not realize it because you might be thinking i'm just going to the gym to work out i'm just going to get my workout done you know and if i get frustrated well i get frustrated about it you know if i'm not where i'm supposed to be but the reality is that there's everybody out there looking at you and so you're going to make decisions you're going to make choices that either will positively or negatively influence others concerning the presence of christ or the lack thereof if you don't mention him at all and so I think we must strive, number one, to look at people and then to, to meet a need that they have maybe to talk. Like I said, there are a lot of lonely people here. I, uh, anywhere I go in Sun City West, anything I strive to do in this area where there's a group of people, there's always people willing to talk. They're willing just to talk and to share and to talk about what's going on and, and many times and, and the negative part of their health uh, but there's some great spotlights, too, of, uh, of just fun. People are wanting to talk and be engaged. Well, I think we, as the body of Christ, as part of our ministry and our daily life that God's called us to do, we've got to look at people actually in the eye, engage with them. We've got to, to have that opportunity to talk with them and build a friendship and show them what a Christ-like lifestyle should be. 
Because remember, <coughs> this, is, this is not about us anymore. It used to be about us. But when Jesus came into our heart, it became about him. And so as we live our lives in this temporal world, because they will end, the influence that we make for Christ in the life of another who does not know him, and when the day of the Lord comes, there's going to be darkness, we want them to have experienced the light. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <coughs> Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and conform, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The scripture there gives us understanding that we're to be living sacrifices. What does that mean? It's kind of a, a, crazy, a crazy term that most of us don't really hang on to, but just for a second. A living sacrifice, a normal sacrifice, one, where that you take that sacrifice in the, in the ancient world and you sacrifice that animal to some kind of deity. Well, living sacrifice means that you are sacrificing yourself to say, God, you're going to be number one in my life. I not only have you as my Savior, but you're going to be the Lord of my life. In other words, you're going to control what's going on. I no longer need to exist as far as my own direction. I submit my will to your will, and you use me and whatever I have to your glory. And he, God is still going to let you live a great life. You're still going to have fun and enjoy things, but your mission is going to be his. <coughs> mm. Excuse me, just one moment. I'll put a, a lozenge in, and maybe it won't be a button, so. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Idea here is just to let your light shine, to see your good deeds. So there is, a, there is a, a, an understanding that to be the light, you also need to have good deeds. Good deeds do not save you. Good deeds is that which comes through when Christ has come into your life and he's the Lord of your life. And people will see that light because they know, well, Kirby can't do that on his own, so something must have happened to him. Yes, Christ came in. The light came in. And they will see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that what we want to do is for them to see as we're engaged and see that it is the Father who has done this. Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40 says this. Then the king will come to those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, 
and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is getting a very focused time of saying, listen, what I'm calling you to do and what I'm calling every single believer to do is to look outside yourself. There were six things listed in this scripture that he pointed out and said, you did this for me. You did the, and, and they came back and said, well, Lord, when did we do this? We didn't see you, Jesus. No, he said, when you did it to these, the least of these, the most vulnerable of society, the least of these, you did it to me. It is an engagement for us to take, as the people of God, the spirit that he's given us, and the skills, and the passion, and the compassion, and that we are to engage in touching compassionately the lives of others. You'll notice in this passage something that I think is profound. They didn't even know they were doing it. It was just part of their daily life. It was just part of what they did. They brought in uh, food to go to St. Mary's in the donation room. Somebody was sick, so you know what? We're going to take them to the, to the procedure. We're going to take them home with us. We're going to take care of them. We see that there are people that are in prison or on the streets, and you know what? We're just going to, to give financially, and we're going to give otherwise, and we're just going to help them get off the street and back into real life. It's just part of what a believer ought to do. But you see that it, it takes the emphasis off ourselves and what we want and more on looking at others. And the Lord says, when you do that and you minister to especially the least of these and focused upon brothers and sisters, let me tell you, God knows. He knows every single thing, and he's going to bless you for that. And so we've talked about our family life the marriage relationships uh, for those that are single or widowed or widower how as a body of christ we care for one another we care for our spouses we're an advocate we come alongside and encourage those that are going through the most difficult times of their lives and then in our daily life things that we're to do every single day is all about jesus his compassion and being his presence in the lives of people that don't know any different. The third area is in the political area. And I know you, there are some that are saying, wait a second, you were doing really good until you got to that area. <laughs> Romans chapter 13, verse 1 said, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 
Let me tell you, we are citizens of this community. We're citizens of Maricopa County. We are citizens of the state of Arizona. We are citizens of the United States of America, and we also live on this planet called Earth. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to express Christian ministry and biblical beliefs in the political arena. Now, that doesn't mean that you take up a sign and go pick it somewhere. It doesn't mean that you write all this junk on Facebook. It doesn't mean that you try to create division. What it means is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as part of the ministry that we have as the kingdom of God, we're to stand firm on biblical beliefs. Whether it's popular or not popular. Now, how do we do that? There are three ways that I want to suggest that you engage. Number one, we can express our ministry by voting, actually voting. And we're not in a voting season right now, so it's a little easier to say this, but let me tell you, you need to do your research when you get ready to vote. For the local officials here in Sun City West, we vote for uh, the governing board all the time. And uh, then our county commissioners, I mean, all of these. Well, we ought to be engaged in this, but we ought to be engaged from the perspective that we need to do our research. We need to find out who these people are. Are these people that, as God has established these areas of authority that are to, supposed to bring peace to our lives, are they the people that God wants in there? And we need to do our very best to go in and find, according to Scripture, the issues and focus on the issues that these individuals or candidates are running on. Secondly, we can express our ministry by involving ourselves with issues that have a clear biblical mandate. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible, by principle, has some gray areas, but by absolute truth, there are no gray areas. And so what you need to do is make sure that when there are issues that we are striving to deal with as a nation, that we don't just leave it up to the, uh, the Supreme Court or, or other courts to make those decisions, although that's part of our process. We need to be informed ourselves. We need to go in and do a biblical research and understanding that does the Bible say something about this issue and what does the Bible say? And then if the Bible is very clear on that issue, then you need to stand firm on that regardless. Because I'll tell you this, I would much rather stand before a person or a group of people who are criticizing me for my stand on the biblical basis of an issue than stand before Almighty God and say, well, I kind of shrunk back. It's not what I'm going to do. I haven't done it in my past, and I'm not going to do it now. Because when the Bible speaks very clearly on things, then I think that we better as well. Because if we don't, God's not going to bless us, nor is he going to bless our nation, our community. So I think that it's very important that we express ourselves by voting, by doing the research. We express ourselves 
uh, through ministry, through a very clear understanding of the issues, and is there a biblical mandate, or is it just a decision that we need to make, whether it's a good one or not? And third, we can express our ministry by being a candidate in our area. Well, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? I've had politicians in churches that I have had in the past. Um, let me tell you, it's a, tough, it's a tough walk, especially if they're believers in Jesus Christ. It's not easy. If they're kind of, uh, kind of go along with the crowd, well, that's another story altogether. I've had some very interesting discussions with uh, state senators who were in my congregation about various topics. But the reality is, why not have believers in Jesus Christ who have a firm biblical understanding, why not go ahead and run for an office where you can express your Christian ministry and your biblical values in a very clear and direct way. So as believers, I think it's important that we do not hide from involvement in the place that we live, but rather we invest in where we are to make it a better place and to express our biblical mandate. Well, that's about half the sermon. So I'm going to have to hit the other half next week. But I want you to understand that when God has called you to be a, a, a person of God, and when he has gifted you, and he has given us these opportunities for the, the general ministry we talked about today in our family life, in our daily life, and in our political life, we need to look dear and deep in the mirror and say, okay, God, what am I not doing that I maybe should be doing now? God, it's safe in this church with the body of Christ. But I want, to, I want to be mobilized and equipped and trained, and I want to develop my giftedness to go into the community that I live and this nation that we love and the world that you love. And I want to share compassionate love. And so today, what I'm asking you is in these areas, is there something that God is tugging at your heart and saying, you know what, here's some adjustments to be made or here's what I want you to do and it's exciting because I've gifted you and I've gone before you and I'm calling you to do that. If that is it, then we ask you, if you would, to please, in the pews where you are, say yes to God. You don't need to say yes to me, but you say, God, I hear what you're saying clear, clearly. God, I want you to be the director of my life. And I want to actually touch people. My spouse. I want to touch another family of one. I, I, want, to, I want to, as a, as a member of this church, to come beside those that are hurting and brokenhearted. In need of somebody to listen. To engage with them. In my daily life, God, I pray that you will help me. Help me to be Christ-like and the light out there so that when people see, they see you, the presence of Christ. And God, help me to be like the people of Matthew 25 that said, where did we do these things? Because we were doing it to the very least of these. Nobody needs to see 
you walk beside them. Father, in our invitation this morning, we just ask and plead with you to give us understanding and wisdom and to make decisions right now that will move our focus away from us and more upon the desires of your heart, compassion and care, and being your presence. Whatever decisions need to be made publicly this morning, I pray that they will be made. But most importantly in the heart today, those decisions will be sealed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I ask you to stand and let's sing our invitation. be seated if you would and uh, we are going to present Cindy to you in just a moment I did want to let you know um, we had so many requests for the spiritual gifts inventory from last uh, from last week that um, we have ones available in in, I think in this four year and this four year is that correct these two so pick one up on your way out also today something that's going to help you as you focus on your your ministry but it's going to help in the second part of my message which will be next week <laughs> on the focus ministry and this is a passion survey it's uh it's not very long there's actually multiple choice on this um, where you can just check off things and then there are a few questions in the back that will help you to determine 
what it is that you're passionate about in life and in ministry and it's going to help you zero in uh, along with the use of the of the uh, of the spiritual gifts inventory to kind of figure out and identify what your spiritual gifts are where your passions are so that we can help to kind of fine-tune what ministry both through the church and in the community that you ought to be engaged in. So I hope they'll pick one up. There'll be folks at every exit to pass one to you if you want that. It's totally up to you, so we would appreciate that so much. Um, let's see. Nancy, and then I'll present. We have several wonderful activities coming up this following week. Wednesday evening at 4 o'clock, there will be a pizza dinner, followed by a presentation from one of our ministry partners, Pastor Francis, who is pastor of Solution Church International, will be here giving us an update on his ministry. There are sign-up sheets in the small lobby as well as the main lobby for you to indicate that you are coming for the pizza dinner. There's also choices of pizza. We need you to check what kind you would like. We would also encourage you, if you are coming for the lunch on Thursday prior to the movie, you need to sign up today so that we will have sufficient food. The movie begins at 1 o'clock, and you don't need to sign up for that. Just come. But if you are coming for the lunch at 12.30, we do need to know that. And then if you have not already purchased your tickets for the Spring Fling, which will be next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock in the Christian Life Center, there will be a fried chicken dinner with all the trimmings. The cost is $15, followed by a wonderful gospel quartet from Scottsdale, the Matney Brothers, who will be singing for us. So you don't want to miss that. You need to purchase a ticket, though. If you did not come prepared today, at least stop by and let them put them, your name on the list. We would encourage you to do that. Thank you. Okay. You will not want to miss the spring fling. It is just way too much fun. Um, and I'm not preaching, just so that might boost ticket sales. I don't know. <laughs> One thing I do know is that from uh, Wednesday to Thursday to Sunday, it sounds like we're eating quite a bit. So, <laughs> but at least it's varied. Um, Cindy, why don't you come up if you would? This is Cindy Davis. Uh, Cindy has been um, coming uh, to our church for a period of time. And I think you, you first heard about our church through a letter that you received in the mail. Is that right? Yes. Our newcomer's letter. Yes. Okay. All right. And uh, Cindy comes today to say, listen, I've given my life to Christ. I have followed through in believer's baptism. And I want to come and uh, be a member of this church. I want to serve the Lord using my gifts, I think is what you said. Is that pretty close? Yes. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. And the one who came down with her, Sarah Clark, um, is one of our ladies who joined just a few weeks ago, uh, probably two months ago now. And uh, so she knows that long, long stretch of road <laughs> to get down here. And uh, that was very sweet of you, Sarah. I appreciate that so much, so much. All in favor of accepting Cindy, if you'd show that by the sign I, please. Aye. You're against that sign no. So, man, I tell you what, folks are going to come around in just a minute and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship saying, number one, welcome to your church family and secondly we're going to be praying with you and working beside you in these days ahead to do exactly what you uh, what you said to serve and you used the term uh, earlier this morning eureka and we're going to move forward in our eureka moment okay <laughs> all right i do want to 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 encourage you to come and hear uh pastor francis uh from the solution church on wednesday at four uh that is a refugee church and uh it's a ministry that is so critical to so many who come here not knowing anything. Uh, so I would encourage you to come hear what he has to say. One of our partners for a number of years now 
uh, where we, um, we strive to help in a lot of different ways. So be mindful of that. Let's stand. We're going to have our closing prayer time. Sarah, why don't you come and stand by Cindy? Who's your Bible study teacher? Do, do you? Carol, why don't you come over? Carol? Oh, I'm sorry. Carol's over here passing out passion surveys. So Sarah, why don't you just stand with her if you would, okay? Okay, all right. Thank you. May we pray. My dear and dear Father, thank you for today and allowing us to worship you. Thank you for the pastor's message this morning, Lord. May we each search our hearts and try and find our gifts, and may we use them for the betterment of our congregation and our community. We love you, Lord. Watch and guide and protect us from the evil one. Be with us this week. We ask all these things in your precious name and through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.